0: Hello, everyone. It's Eves, checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode, one from me and one from Tracy V. Wilson. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show.
1: Welcome to the Stay in History class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson, and it's September 7th. On this day in 1695, pirate Henry Every pulled off one of the most profitable raids in pirate history, which also launched a massive international incident. Every sailed aboard a ship called the Fancy, which had previously been the Charles II before he commandeered it from a Spanish port in 1694. From that port, he and his newly piratical crew laid a course for Madagascar. They were joining up with a route called the Pirate Round, which was really popular among English pirates in the 1690s. This sailing route went from the Caribbean around the Cape of Good Hope up to Madagascar and then into the Indian Ocean. It was off the coast of Madagascar that every joined up with a whole collection of other pirates who were hoping to attack a fleet of ships belonging to the Mughal Empire. This empire ruled parts of the Indian subcontinent from the early 16th century into the mid-18th century. In 1695, its territory covered most of what's now India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Bhutan, and Nepal. This fleet belonging to the Mughal Empire was huge. Twenty-five ships, including escort vessels. Some of the passengers were the emperor's own family members returning from a pilgrimage to Mecca. The first ship that every and the other pirates attacked was called the Fath Mamamidi. It was an escort ship that was part of the rear guard. Their real prize, though, was the Sawai, which is sometimes anglicized as the gunsway. They spotted this ship on September 7th. And this ship, in addition to being large, was owned by Emperor Arangzeb himself. At least one of the emperor's family members was on board. The ship was huge. It was exceptionally well-armed. The pirates were only able to take it because when the battle started, a piece of weaponry exploded and started a fire. The behavior of these pirates once they took over the Suai was really horrible. They completely brutalized the people on board in their search for treasure. They came away with a huge haul of gold, silver, and jewels. But when the Suai reached the Mughal Empire, the emperor and the rest of the people were outraged. Riots spread through the city of Surat, which was the port that the ship came into. They targeted the British East India Company offices there. British officials started writing back to London to report what had happened. This sparked a huge international manhunt for Every and his pirate crew. The British East India Company could not afford any problems in their relationship with the Mughal Empire or the emperor himself. A few of Every's crew were captured, but Every was not. Those who were captured were put on trial two times to try to bring a conviction that would satisfy the Mughal emperor. There were two trials because, much to the surprise of all the authorities involved, uh, the British people were really excited about pirates. By the time this trial even happened, there was already a really popular ballad about Henry Every, was very high-spirited and adventurous and it did not make him sound like a bad guy at all. So after everyone was acquitted in the first trial, they had to try them again this time on a charge of mutiny instead of piracy. They were found guilty of mutiny and hanged. The British government had to pay reparations to the Mughal Empire, but every himself was never captured. It's More likely, though, that he died in poverty than that he went on to live like a king on his pirate wealth. You can learn more about this in the May 9th, 2018 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. And you can subscribe to This Day in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks also to Shari Harrison for her audio work on this podcast. You can tune in tomorrow for a labor strike that lasted for five years.
0: Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. The day was September 7th, 1936. The last thylacine, also known as the Tasmanian tiger, died at the Hobart Zoo in Tasmania, In 1986, after no thylacine had been spotted for 50 years, the animal was declared extinct. The thylacine, scientific name Thylacinus cynocephalus, was a large carnivorous marsupial. Its fur was short and yellowish-brown or gray, and it had dark stripes across its back from its shoulders to its tail. Its head looked like a dog or wolf's, and its ears were small, and females had a pouch for carrying their young. The thylacine was mainly nocturnal. It once lived all over Australia, from New Guinea to Tasmania, but in recent times it was found only in Tasmania. The first recorded killing of a thylacine by Europeans happened in 1805. After it was killed, the lieutenant governor of Tasmania, William Patterson, sent a description of the animal to the Sydney Gazette. He wrote, It is very evident this species is destructive and lives entirely on animal food. On dissection, his stomach was filled with a quantity of kangaroo. This deprecating take of thylacines was also evident in later European communications. Tasmania's assistant surveyor, George Perdoe Harris, wrote that the animal had a savage and malicious appearance and that it appeared inactive and stupid. Thylacines were also considered a threat to sheep though they were still, quote, cowardly and by no means formidable to man, as later assistant surveyor George William Evans put it in an 1822 book. Since the thylacine was viewed as destructive to flocks of sheep, it was hunted, and people offered rewards for killing the animal. But the rhetoric around the thylacine's savagery was just myth. Minister John West of Launceston wrote in 1850, The thylacine kills sheep but confines its attack to one at a time and is therefore by no means as destructive to a flock as the domestic dog become wild or as the dingo of Australia, which both commit havoc in a single night. Still, reports exaggerated the abundance of thylacines, how many sheep they killed, and how many bounties were paid to kill them. Thylacines were being blamed for the attacks of wild dogs— poor management, rural depressions, and other things that affected agricultural production. Though some people spoke up against thylacine killings, the animal continued to get bad press and was the subject of propaganda. The government even offered a bounty of one pound for every adult thylacine killed and ended up sponsoring the killing of 2,184 thylacines. By the beginning of the 20th century, the number of thylacines killed and bounties offered decreased. Throughout the beginning of the century, the animal became rarer as it faced competition from wild dogs, the destruction of its habitat, and disease in addition to hunting. The last known wild thylacine was shot in 1930. The last captive thylacine, named Benjamin after its death, was held at the Hobart Zoo. It died on September 7, 1936, probably from neglect. The thylacine was reportedly locked out of its shelter and could have died from the cold. The July before Benjamin died, Tasmania had listed the thylacine as a protected species. The thylacine was listed as an endangered species until it was declared extinct by the International Union for Conservation of Nature in 1982 and the Tasmanian government in 1986. In 1996, Australia declared September 7th National Threatened Species Day. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.